Hi, this is Matt. I'm just uh, editing the episode um, that you're about to listen to, and it occurred to me that I probably should put some trigger warnings on the beginning, um, just to let, give you the heads up that we do talk a little bit about um, sexual assault and harassment and uh, things like that within um, creative communities in the Auckland comedy scene. So people may well want to stop listening um, when we come on to that subject, which is towards the end, probably the last 20 minutes or so. Um, I think everything's pretty safe until then, but just do bear that in mind. But hopefully you can listen to the whole thing and um, we're starting a really important conversation. Okay, thanks. Welcome to the Podcrastinators, bringing you a mixture of comedy, social and political commentary from New Zealand and around the globe. In other words, the show that's meant to make sense of everything, but quite often doesn't. Hello, I'm Darren Lees, a globally experienced businessman, politically to the right, stand-up comedian, comedy writer, and of course, podcast presenter. And I'm Matt Danaher. I'm an amateur writer, traveller, podcaster, and Instagram influencer, and professional union organiser and socialist who likes to be optimistic about the future. Right, um, I'll try and give this a go in one take. Okay. Cool, but sit closer to the laptop so the sounds. Oh my good. god, how much closer do you want my fucking face to be? Most people want me to be further away. Just don't, stop rocking back in your chair. You've got out of practice, haven't you? I can tell. The problem I've got is I've got that slip disc in my back. Oh so yeah. Okay, fair so, enough. Fair enough. I'll okay. just deal with I'll deal with it in the editing process. Okay, thank you. I'll try and stay still. Is that good enough for you? Yeah. That's better, much better. Um, right, here we go. Apologies if I get it wrong, and if I describe you in any wrong way, Amy, please correct me along the way, okay? Yeah. So, here we go. <laughs> Welcome to Podcrastinators, Season 2, Episode 3, and today... It's episode 4. Are... It's not 4, <laughs> it's 3, we, ne- we never recorded 3, fuck off. <laughs> We're off to a great start, great start. Well, He's done. He does this to me every time to fuck me up. He does it every time because then he knows I've got to try and do the whole intro again and not fuck it up a second time. Fucking left. Um, welcome to Podcrastinators, Season 2, Episode 3, and today we are lucky to be re- to joined by a really talented guest. Um, she's a comedy writer and performer, improv writer and performer, and if you don't know who we're talking about, get out your love lamp. It'll put you on the cusp and leave you virtually there. Welcome to the show, Amy Bird. Oh, hello. You had to drop the C-bomb straight in the in the beginning. The old cusp bomb. <laughs> Isn't that you a, um, that's a bit of a faux pas there, Darren. I think I might have to edit that out. That's like a minute's worth of her material. You've just... <gasps> Spread all over. You just burnt me. Oh, man. All over the podcast. Oh, my word. And I saw yesterday that somebody called out somebody on Facebook for putting one of their jokes on there. Oh. Well, yeah, the word itself joke. is a joke, but I can't claim claim that because it's just a terrible word that I hate. <laughs> well, me and Matt, were both going to grow beards for you as well, so because we know you... I grow a beard of my own volition quite often because I want to grow a beard. It's my face, my choice. Yeah, well, you have the right to do anything you want with your face, so good. 
Go if for I it. Was you, if I was you, though, Amy, I'd be looking into his tax. Yeah. We know what I'll, we think um, about I'll talk to you after the show. Actually, don't even joke about that. IRD, uh, I've got to pay IRD $50, and I haven't done that yet. Uh, for being late <laughs> um, i'm sure they just add up too right the, the late fees probably i probably owed them a hundred dollars by now actually um <laughs> keep putting it off going into logging into my ird i'll do it right after this um i have actually got an extra question for you that we didn't prepare that occurred to me during darren's intro so he introduced you as an improv writer well that sounds quite easy um, <laughs> I would say that's kind of slightly incorrect. You can't really write improv, but I didn't want to interrupt you during the, uh, during the intro. So I just thought I'd talk about it afterwards. So you can write sketch, but you can't write improv because it's all made up. And that's what I kind of meant, but I didn't think, I didn't know what a better word was to use for it. So improv show writer. Or uh, improv creator, film. maybe an improv creator. show creator. creator. Yeah. Right, well, so I you've mean, got to record the intro again, Darren, and can you take a cuss bar and... <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll just edit, I'll just edit the words, you saying the words now. And put if you could just put a bleep, you could just put a bleep there. It could be like improv bleep, right? Oh, no, improv bleep, bleep, like that. And it'll be like, whoa. I was going to say, by the time you've finished it editing my intro, it's just going to be, good evening, Amy Bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you can't go wrong with it. All of your wonderful talents are just going to be lost because of my poor preparation <laughs> and poor understanding how the entertainment business works. Hey. So uh, good evening, Amy. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. So for those people that don't know you, give us a bit of a background about yourself and how you got into comedy stroke improv. Well, I've been doing improv for about three years. Um, started out at the Covert Theatre, which is now in Ponsonby. We've got a permanent home there. And over that time, I met quite a few comedians and things like that just in the course of doing that. And I thought um, stand-up was something I'd always wanted to do, like as a kid. Um, I'm just going to shut the door because there's a loud noise. Hold on. And... Um, so, yeah, I decided to give it a go. Um, one of my best friends is Stephen Lyons, and he's a really good comedian. And um, I saw him having a good time doing it, and I thought, why not? And, yeah, probably a year ago I started doing stand-up or trying to do stand-up um, and then went to the New Zealand Comedy School. And after that, things clicked in place a little bit more, and, yeah, here I am now. And that was well worth it because, if I'm not mistaken, you were a raw semi-finalist last year. <laughs> yeah, I am. It was quite a fluke, I think. Um, really cool to be part of that whole process, but it caught me off guard. I'd only um, done that particular set about three or four times, I think. And the night that I did it, I remember I was really, really tired, my entry. So I think I was naturally more relaxed than I would normally be. And I don't know if that's what you know, helped me with my performance or not, but it was pretty, pretty weird, pretty funny to get, yeah, to be told that you're in the next round. I was like, what? Yeah. Cool feeling though, right? Yeah, it was really cool. And my friend Nardis, you guys know Nardis as well, I think, um, he got through too and we'd been talking a lot um, 
in between, you know, starting that whole process and that night. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool that we both got through and yeah, it was pretty, pretty wild. Man, yeah, that's no, definitely it's people. always good to see a New Zealand comedy school graduate, a fellow New Zealand comedy school graduate. Oh, I knew Darren did, but I didn't know that you'd been through too. Yes, that's how we met. It was love oh, at first day cool. first, um, first day of school. Oh, it's such a great way to bond with a group of people because I think it's such a traumatic experience that you just <laughs> kind of like you have to be friends because it's just you're just so freaked out by the whole thing but um no I met a group of probably I think we had 12 in our class and a big bunch of us are still friends now so cool it's really same awesome. for us yeah cool and are all 12 do you know still doing it or did a few fall by the wayside I would say there are one two three four there's actually only probably five of us still going I think yeah mm. I think for some people it's like a one-off challenge um mm. there's a course you do you know you do your your hours and you do your show and then that's it um and I think some people get the bug and they keep going and um yeah some people I think found it really quite stressful in, in a certain way but glad that they've done it so yeah they kind of bow out after that so you say you got into improv a few years ago. Was there something particularly that sparked you to do that? Oh, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Um, there was a, a group from the COVID theatre came to a work function and they did this really fun, like, workshop. And I thought, this is crazy. I haven't been this playful since I was a kid and um, decided just to, to inquire about what I could do with them. And there was a course and I, I went for it. But... I did do improv acting and music at school and it had been many, many years. So I just thought I will give this another go um, and just went for it. And there's, there's a lot of opportunity to get on stage if you join a theatre. So it all kind of just gained momentum from that. So there's obviously a number of people that do the classes. Does everybody make it to the stage or is it like the the New Zealand Comedy School where people drop away and so it, it kind of runs the, the same kind of way so you're geared towards having your first show I believe at the end of the second course or maybe no at the end of the first course you do a show end of the second one you do another show um, but I think the retention rate in improv is far higher than it is in stand-up comedy and I think that's because it's more of a more of a team sport. It's more of a community-based kind of thing. Um, so on stage, you can actually bring very little on stage. Um, the way it works is you give an idea, then someone builds on it, then someone else will build on that. So if there's ever a time, and it happens a lot when you first start doing improv, that you really don't know what the hell you're doing, um, people will come and hold you and give you something to work with. So say for example, you froze, and just blanked out on stage. Someone would say, oh, hi, Auntie Donna, where's the dog? And then all of a sudden you're an auntie, you've got a name and you're talking about your dog. Whereas in stand-up, if you forget your shit, you forget your shit, you know, you just kind of, there's no, there's no backup. Um, so I think for, even for very um, 
unskilled and nervous performers, I think improv is a really good way to get used to being on stage. Yeah. Because with stand-up, you've got to prepare, you've got to practice a set because, you know, you can work off the crowd, but as raw comedians, that's really hard, right? Because so that's hard. a massive skill. So can you prepare for improv in any way, shape or form? Yes, Darren, you can. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> hmm. Um, so <laughs> there's heaps of uh, techniques and games and tools and things like that that you can you can definitely learn. Um, the biggest skill is listening, which some people are not very good at. Um, Darren's <laughs> holding his mouth right now, like I'm shutting my mouth and I'm trying to listen. Um, but yeah, listening, taking turns is another one. So you don't get that so much in stand-up, right? Because it's very all about yourself. Um, but in improv, you're taking turns the whole time. Picking up on the game of a scene. So the way that we make comedy and improv is we look for the, the first or the, th the first weird thing, the first strange thing, the first thing that's interesting that someone else has said. And then you make what you're doing all about that. It just grows and grows and grows and becomes really absurd. So you learn how to do that. You learn to look for the weird or the funny. Um, yeah, there's lots of stagecraft stuff that we can learn as well. So there's, yeah, there's definitely skills that you learn. Yeah. So when we say we're practicing improv, we're not practicing our scenes. We're practicing the skills that we use on stage. Because I've got mm. one interesting question for you, and then I'm going to let Matt answer those, ask those questions soon as I've asked them all so far. <laughs> yeah. uh, for people that are one or the other, a couple of questions, and you're going to have to come off the fence for this one, but I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I know which way you'll go. Oh. One is, did you learn more about stand-up doing improv, or did you learn more about improv doing stand-up? Mm, that's a tricky question. So... I just want to clear up to everybody that both are funny, okay, especially to Ian Ireland. He often says to me that improv is not funny and he hates it, um, <laughs> which I don't mind. I'm calling him out in the show now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's some good banter every time he's like, he's still doing improv? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, but like I said before, so improv I think is a really important skill for helping you observe what is funny in something. Um, I think it's also really good for helping you write comedy. Um, it's if, if you get into a collaborative situation with, with some improvisers and maybe a bit of alcohol, um, you come up with like the most amazing sketches or premises for strange jokes, funny observations, you just bounce, 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 bounce. Um, you learn how to ride the absurdity curve. So a lot of the time in a scene, you start with a base that's kind of normal and then something strange will happen and you just go to the nth degree of like getting that weirder and weirder and weirder. And I think for me personally, the funniest stand-up comedy follows that absurdity curve. You get used to hearing like, you know, something kind of mundane, you get into the pattern and then someone will shock you with by taking that to a crazy place. Um, so yeah, I think, for me, improv has probably influenced stand-up more than the other way around. And my second question is, which one do you prefer? Ooh, so hard. <laughs> oh, can I be honest and say, when I first started doing stand-up, I actually hated it. 
I did not enjoy it. And I was this close to, to, to getting out of my um, final class and the performance for, for comedy school. Not because I was scared of being on stage or anything like that. I just, I just didn't like it. It was too microscopic. Um, and improv, there's a real joy in coming up with something and knowing there's no pressure. If it's a shitty idea, the scene will be over in five minutes and no one will ever talk about it again. But if it's a good scene, a memorable one, people will remember it for forever. They'll be like, oh, I remember that time you did that awesome scene. You were like, yep, yep. But all this stinky, shitty stuff gets left behind. But with stand-up, it's like, it's you, it's your point of view, it's your joke, it's your time that you've put into it. Um, and if nobody laughs, it's like, oh my God, I thought this was hilarious and it's not. Um, so I hated it. But now I'm actually enjoying stand-up more than improv, I think. No, I don't know. I can't choose. Oh, no. I wouldn't have forced people into false binaries, Darren. <laughs> I can't choose. I'm a project-based person, so um, if you notice, I'll do a lot of stand-up on some weeks and then you won't see me for a month, and that's because I'm working on an improv show. And yeah. at that time, I'm probably like, oh, improv, yeah, I'm into the show, and then I forget about my stand-up. So I'm, I'm literally switching, switching, switching all the time. Um, and so I like to work on something and move on. It could be because of my undiagnosed ADHD that I think I have. Oh, my God. You're another one. Join the club. Oh, are you both in the club? Yes. And yeah. so I think, well, except we're diagnosed, but um, I, I oh. and, and medicated as well. Which is oh, very, sorry. Which is very <laughs> You're playing top, Trump, top Trump's mental health. <laughs> <laughs> Although they have cancelled my favourite type of Ritalin, which is extremely annoying. Um, stink. <laughs> well, fuck you, Dan. I've got bipolar, so I'm going to kill you out with my top Trump's mental health. I'm medicated, so <laughs> well, we're all medicated then, so that's good. Okay. We're all on what the same level. Improv sketch that would be. <laughs> that's um, it's good that you said that though, in seriousness, because um, I'm definitely going to be signing up for the next covert um <gasps> course. I'd already decided. Yeah. Um, it's very keen to get into improv because it looks cool. like a lot of fun. Darren, have you got your hand up? <laughs> Me too. I oh, me too. Are you? Oh. What? Are we going to end up on the same course? I hope so. If you tell me which one you're on, I'll go on it. And yeah, then fair we enough. Can go, we can do it through our podcast adventure. Oh, we could. We should report. We can report. Oh, back yeah. Totally. Darren, I thought you had a bad back. Is that you jumping up and down? Yeah, mm, a bit worried. Is this a fraud that I need to worry about? Mm. Well, and which is a lovely segue. Mm. So... <laughs> A lot of our listeners are stand-up comedians, Amy, and obviously that means they don't have any money. Oh, yeah. So what I was hoping is you'd be able to talk us through a little bit about how to commit the perfect fraud. <laughs> um, <sighs> or maybe not. It's, a, it's if I told you I'd have to kill you, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be a murderer as well, you know. Um, Are you well interested as, in as co-hosting well a podcast? Sorry, what was that? Are you interested in co-hosting a podcast? Because then you could tell him, kill him, and then we could do the podcast. That sounds good, except we're recording right now and everyone's going to know the plan, Darren. And I'm the person who's recording. Ah. Uh, 
Oh dear. No, fraud is a very interesting thing, uh, topic that I've been interested in for a very long time. And I've been a fraud investigator slash preventer detector for probably about 10 years now. I used to work for the police. Ooh, scary. So were you a police officer or a... No, um, I wasn't. I was not a police officer. I I wanted to be, but my eyesight was terrible. So um, I got laser eye surgery and had to wait. And while I waited, there was like a two-year stand-down period. I went to work in the police station and very quickly realised I do not want to be a cop. (laughs) But I stayed with them. I stayed with them anyway and became an intelligence analyst. which is like working with detectives on cases with gangs and financial crime and stuff like that. So that was really interesting. And I do have some half written material about all of that stuff, but I just need to figure out how to make it funny. <laughs> it's not, it's interesting, but not funny. Yeah. It's I've, I've seen a few stand-ups recently actually do pieces, which are really interesting. Mm. No one's laughing, but everyone's like on the edge of their seats, listening to what they're saying. They want to hear what comes next. Mm. In fact, there's what there was one on uh, on the classic on Monday who shall remain nameless. who told a really interesting, likable story, mm-hmm. but just didn't really have many jokes in it. Yeah, and you can see that the people they like they come to a conclusion where they're like, oh, actually, no one's laughing. I'm not going to use this. And it's like, no, keep the material. Just mm. work on throwing a few jokes in. Which is a great segue um, to me wanting to talk about storytelling. So um, I would love to start a storytelling event in Auckland because there are a couple of them that happen every now and again that I'm aware of. I don't know if they are very regular or not, but I did a storytelling course about a year ago. And storytelling is amazing because you take the person on a journey. So they're very interested in you. You can evoke a lot of emotion. You can get people to feel, you know, negative emotions through like sadness or, you know, discomfort or whatever. And then when you do make a joke at the end of that, it's just so much, you know, it has more impact and more meaning and people just laugh and laugh and laugh. Um, So I would really love to get into storytelling, I think. That's so funny because I was talking to someone about that the other day and because I write short stories in my other hobby. Um, And uh, I was talking to, and I can't remember who, it was somebody in the comedy scene who was really into that, exactly talks about that. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about one, um, a storytelling night that I knew back home where they'd do it in the winter, where there'd be a roaring log fire and people would stand around, sit around and take it in turns to get up and tell their stories. And the whole oh. object would be to shock or amuse or mm-hmm. upset the audience. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Figure out who that is, because I would, I would, I'm getting into kind of producing stuff too. So I'd love to share a gig with someone. Well, I'd be interested in being involved, to be honest. So I know quite a few storytellers. Yeah, me too. Okay, let's do it. You heard it here first. Yeah. Yeah, cool. We'll just um, come up with uh, two plans. One is me and Darren are going to do a podcast mini series about going through the covert theatre improv class. Yeah. And another one is we're going to, me and you are going to launch a storytelling night. Oh, this is great. I will remember who that was with. God. There was a cool one I was involved in um, over the COVID lockdowns. It was online and it was called the Tokyo Liars Club. So you get four people, they're usually comedians or professional storytellers to tell stories. One of them is fake. So, yeah. And and then the audience, there's heaps of interaction and people have to guess which one is real and which one isn't. 
and it's super fun. So the um, there's, have you seen the British panel show called Eight Out of Ten Cats? I've heard about it, but no, I have not seen it. So it's only the only bits worth watching, to be honest, are Bob Mortimer, who's a um, quite a well-known comic back home. He's not really international. Um, but if you if you search on YouTube for Mortimer, I'll send you the link afterwards. And listeners, mm-hmm. this is possibly not fascinating audio for our listeners here. I don't know. We're in danger of getting too kind of internal for the Auckland comedy scene. But <laughs> yeah. um, I will put the link in the show notes as well. There's a YouTube compilation called Mortimerian Tales, which just does all of his lies basically and they're just fantastic that sounds cool yes i'm actually um in an improv show coming up uh on there i wrote it down because i thought i'd forget it it's called the saboteur and the concept is it's on the 24th of april and it's part of the improv festival um there's a, a stage full of improvisers and comedians and one of them has been chosen to fuck it up royally <laughs> and none of them know who the who the saboteur is the audience i think there's an app on their phone that they log into and they have to vote for who they think had tried to mess it up and it's hilarious because a lot of improvisers think they're good and then they find out they're not good because the audience has voted them as the worst improviser (laughs) they're not the saboteur so that's going to be really funny oh god could you imagine a stand-up comedy night where you got to vote the worst that'd be so great You'd have to like unless you're the one that's voted the worst. <laughs> like, boo, get off, Darren. <laughs> oh, that's usual. There's nothing unusual about that. <laughs> no, no, you are very funny. Quite funny. Um, probably that's probably another. We're we're doing lots of good segues tonight. It's probably another good segue to Darren. What's your next? Me question? to us. I will ask some questions, and um, mine are about a couple of things that you're involved with on, on the improv scene, Amy, that you might want to just talk about. I was interested initially in the virtually there stuff oh, that you yeah. did over the lockdown mm-hmm. uh, and how that come about. Yeah. Okay. Um, so virtually there was our online um, improv comedy concept and that, that was uh, a collaboration that I did with Stephen Lyons. Um, so what I was noticing was when the whole world was locked down, comedians and improvisers still kept going, right? Um, I don't know if you remember seeing some online comedy shows or online Mm -hmm. improvised shows. Um, And at the beginning, they were terrible. They were hard to watch. Um, And I think mainly because when we look at a screen, um, our brains are so used to seeing the television or movies, which are of high quality production, everything's been thought of, and we're fed these, you know, perfectly curated snacks for our brains. So this was very, very jarring to watch, right? Any stand-up. And there's with stand-up, there's no, there's no laughter, there's no feedback. So the comedians are kind of maybe a bit, I don't know, not getting the cues they normally would to be engaging. Same thing with improv. But with improv, you'd have like um, scenes between people and they're like, oh, I'm climbing a tree. Oh, I'm fishing. And so you're just watching this crazy person looking into the screen doing these weird movements. And so Stephen and I got our brains together and um, – we wrote down everything we didn't like about what we were seeing, and then we just made this concept. So it was basically within the realm of a video call between two people. So you took away all the props, you took away the need for climbing or fishing or anything crazy like that. And it was basically just a, a conversation between two people. The crazy thing about it, the fun thing about it was 
was that you could be any character that you wanted to be. So it was character based. Um, and it was a hosted show as well, which is something I think any online production needs a hosted show. And Stephen's an amazing MC, so he made it all run very smoothly. So it was more professional looking, more fun. And he moved us through the games that we were playing online. So yeah, it was, I think it was pretty successful actually, especially at the beginning of COVID. Did you watch it, Darren, a couple of times? I did, and I even um, suggested story um, oh, that's right. ideas and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was I was I was very impressed by it, and um, it was it was good to watch. Um, it was it was super fun for us too, because like obviously being locked down is quite you know depressing and yuck. Um, but having a creative project to focus on was really cool, and then there was a lot of audience feedback. So I think if there's any online concepts going forward I think getting audience people to be involved um, really lights up the show is that still up on YouTube time. or something um I I think there might be one link still live so we we kind of retired them after a few weeks and um, with improv you don't really want to leave mm. it up forever but um if there's another big lockdown and I hope there's not um we would we've got it ready to go to start again so yeah, and we had international performers too. It was a really nice way. We had um, people from America, from Britain, from Japan and India and all kinds of places. Cool. It completely passed me by, I have to be honest. <laughs> completely missed that. I spent so I was working such long days during that. Yeah. Yeah. You, the last thing you want to do is probably watch something on online. Yeah, well, that's that. it. I was on, on Zoom all day as it was. Yeah. Sorry, Darren, I think I cut you off there. It was a Sunday night. You'd have been drinking heavily and sell up champagne socialism, some sort of stuff. Oh, no, was, if it was Sunday night, yeah, I'd have been too drunk. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of coincided because I was I was doing one of those terrible FaceTime stand-up things that Amy was talking about. And no, I yours were good. Coffee. Yours were good. Yours were really amazing. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean you. No, no, no. No, no, no. no I was winding you up. That's fine. Uh, but um, no, I used to do one on a Sunday evening at half seven, and I think your show used to run either six to eight or six to seven or something like that. So I oh, would so used to jump start in. to your show, and then I yep. would go and do my thing online. And I did mine for about six or seven weeks. But as you say, it gets to a point where you go, yeah, that's probably enough, right? Uh, well, I, I did watch yours a couple of times and I liked the way that it was like set up like it was like a formal thing. And you had, was it your wife or someone laughing? Like you could hear someone laughing and it was cute. Yeah. I used to make my kids go and watch it as well, even though it was inappropriate humor. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Dad. Yeah. There yeah. was a few of those. Yeah. There was a few very awkward moments for them. You could see 14 year old and 12 year old girls going, Oh my God. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. Um, yeah. Like, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I like your um your dad joke um pictures that you put up. It's you with like some words that you've come up with. This so funny. Oh, Very silly. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Matt, Matt told me off for using one the other day because he thought it was too good for me to just fuck around on Facebook. So I was very. Oh, happy that was it. yeah. You definitely need to. Did you take it off? Uh, no, but I'm going to use it on Saturday night. Yeah. Good. Thank you. And uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Amy, why don't I make this podcast about me, not about the guests? That would be so cool. Um, <laughs> me, me, me. Yeah. Me, me, me. Just a bit more me if we run out of anything to talk about. Um, Love Lamp. Tell us about that. Oh, Love Lamp. Yep. So Love Lamp's my baby. Um, I came up with that show concept about, 
a year and a half ago. Um, I just, it was before I became a stand-up comedian and I was always thinking about how can I get stand-up and improv to get married and have a baby. And um, <laughs> that's what Love Lamp is. So it's um, a stand-up comedian comes along and does three short sets of material. So it's usually like, let's say a six minute set chopped into three bits. Um, and then Love Lamp comes in and improvises based off what they've said. So it can be quite crazy because we just take it into the absurd realm of craziness. And um, the stand-up comedians, I think they really enjoy watching their stuff be deconstructed like that and put back together in strange ways. Because sometimes there'll be a story that they say and then it's like we flash forward in time 50 years and imagine it in a different scenario or like whatever. And it's just very silly. We've had some very, very cool guests um, who we had, we've had Becky Umbers, we've had Stephen Lyons, we've had Keegan, Chester, um, we've got Matt Coombs coming up on the 30th of this month, um, Tough Tiger Fist, Ruby Esther, um, Hannah Campbell, yeah, I think, that, uh, Karina Coconut, oh, she's gone now, eh? she went back home, um, yeah, it's been awesome. It's, we've, I think we've done 15 shows now, so it's every month at the Wine Cellar on a Tuesday night. Um, and, yeah, it's good. We, we do an improv jam at the end as well, so anyone's welcome to come along and play. And try. That's a great way to try improv if you kind of don't want to, you know, commit to a full course or anything at the moment. Just come along and have a go. Um, yeah, it's great. And the next one is the 30th of March? Uh, yes. Okay. Yep, Tuesday the 30th of March at, it's, the show starts at 8, but we open the doors at 7.30 and we kind of mix and mingle with everyone and have a drink and... I might try and come to that. Yeah, it's really fun. I've seen the ad, uh, I've seen the posts on Facebook quite a lot, Joel Vinson, is Joel Vinson involved? Yeah, Joel's in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah and Crumb too, Crumb is in it and I think, oh, okay. cool. yeah, we've, we played with Bailey um, on the weekend and I think if he's available, he's going to be in that show too. Yeah. So that's um, pretty much the cream of the Auckland comedy crop that you've either had come through or are involved in it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. Um, and we've got some really good improvisers that aren't stand-up comedians as well. And some people that kind of are into, you know, writing scripts and sketch and that kind of stuff. So I think we've got... I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I think we got a nomination at the, is it the Guild Awards? The Guild Awards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was really cool. Yes, you did. I remember, actually, Love Lamp, yeah. I do And I think Virtually There got a nomination as well, didn't it? <gasps> yes. For Best Online, yeah. <gasps> yes. Yeah, you've been knocking it out of the park in the last 12 months. Two nominations at the Guild, this semi-finalist of the Royal Quest, that's... That's a pretty mm. cool achievement in the last 12 months. Yeah, it's, um, I just really enjoy, like I said before, doing a project and just, just focusing on, on that. You know how you get the hyper, like, focus and then you just move on to the next thing and do that one. It's just so much fun. It's better than work. I love my job, but this is much better than work. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Totally yes to right. both. Yes to both. I love my job, but yes. <laughs> Comedy yeah. is much, much more fun. Yeah, most of the time. Most of the time. Now, I was very lucky. Well, you, do you want to go next, Matt? Um, 
I've forgotten what I was going to ask. So while I try and remember, why don't you go? Cool. So a recent show that I attended, thank you, Amy, for inviting me along, was the Holistic. Oh, yeah. Um, that was such a cool concept. Again, something completely different that I'd never seen before. Give us a, a quick a quicker rundown of what that was all about, who was involved, and how that idea came around. Yeah, so that um, was, that's not my idea. That was um, Stephen Lyons and his friend Dov Phillips came up with that idea. So Dov is the wellness practitioner that, that was in the show that you met as well. Um, so the idea was, I think they were sitting down one day and they were talking about, you know, mindfulness and meditation is really good for you. Laughing and comedy is good for you. And then they were like, why don't they get married and have a baby? And then they did. <laughs> it's all about that and um so they mushed them together and when Stephen told me about the idea I, I jumped all over it because uh, I studied health psychology for many years at university a long time ago and it's all about you know the mind and body and how they interact and all of that stuff so I was really interested and he said would you like to help out on it and I said yes and yeah we put the show together I came up with the name holistic so that was me <laughs> that is may or may not be the only thing I did. No, just kidding. Um, but yeah, we put the show together and it was through the Fringe Festival. So we had um, two nights there. They got postponed because of the COVID lockdown four or whatever it was. Um, and we had Marty Bright, Becky Umbers, myself and Stephen. Um, so the mindfulness session was first. Then we had a break for some snacks and refreshments and um getting everyone together to kind of talk and schmooze. And the part of it too was that all of the comedians did the mindfulness too. And it was a bit of an experiment to see how being in that kind of mindful zone would affect how you performed comedy. Um, and it was weird because, you know, you kind of like normally before you do a set, your, your brain's going over your material and kind of, I don't know if you guys do that, but I do. I just kind of run through it. And I didn't really have the chance to do that because I was doing the mindfulness thing. So I was actually quite scared that I would forget my set, but it didn't, that's not what happened. So yeah. How did you, how did you find it, Darren? Yeah, look, I found it a really cool concept. Um, Dov's obviously a really interesting character and yeah. he's, uh, he's obviously very good and very passionate at, at, at the mindfulness stuff, you know, and um it's really interesting when you try and put those two together because you'd expect them to be completely different audiences, right? Mm. Uh, but uh, people that, you know, obviously we spent a lot of time with our eyes closed in the mindfulness session, but everybody seemed to be absolutely invested in both. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, you, 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 I kind of, is it going to be a comedy crowd that goes like that or is it going to be a mindfulness crowd that doesn't laugh? You know, but people, yeah, yeah. you know, somehow... You just got a great audience of people that were fully invested in both. So I thought it was a cool session and it'd be great to see it do something else and, and carry on or something like that because it yeah. did work really well. And the comedy was such an intimate audience, the way that it was set up. It was in a bigger room, but mm. I think I said to some of you guys on the night, you didn't realise there was this space behind you. It was almost like you were in this really compact comedy room and there could have been a wall behind us, and it felt that in, intimate because it, we were so close to the comedians as well after, oh, after the cool. session. Yeah, so, that's good to hear. Yeah. I was worried about the big room, but, um, yeah, I think the way we had it set up, 
you know, everyone had their eyes forward and, and they were, you know, concentrating on the comedy. I think, I think we will do that again, <clears throat> that concept. And I hope that we can, because using that space was just so awesome. It felt like a cool underground kind of comedy show, you know, like the secret thing. It was like really cool. Where did you do it? It was in um, Dobbs wellness offices and it's um i think near it's near ding dong lounge just like in a like you go up a couple of stories or whatever in an elevator and yeah it was cool yeah it's on albert street albert street that's the one so in the uh, mindfulness session were you a their person or were you a their person i I was a close person yeah that was terrible audio darren can you um say what you were doing Yes, sorry. Yes, it was actually because I didn't explain myself very well there, did I? We don't do video, do we, Matt? Um, <laughs> it's hard to explain, but in, when Dov, Dov did his session, you were either an out there person and my arm is up kind of like to uh, to, to head to the side of me and there was a very in, in, internal person, which my fist was over my heart. So um, Amy was obviously the in, in person and I'm I was the out person type mm-hmm. person, so. So interesting. There's a kind of way, you know, kind of almost reversing your psychology type of thing of how you think about things. And if you're in a situation, um, are you contributing to the situation or are you trying to actually help the situation? Are you contributing to it getting worse or actually Mm. feel better with your state of mind and your actions and your, uh, you know, what persona you're giving off and stuff like that? So. Yeah, it was a really cool thing. I really, really enjoyed going. And uh, thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. You reminded me of what my other question was going to be. Well, there was there's two questions, actually. Uh, but one I think I've answered myself. I was going to say, what would you call the baby of improv and stand-up? And I think it has to be improv. Um, <laughs> can't think of anything else. Um, Lovely, and then, yeah. <laughs> And then the other the other question was around the metaphors of comedy, um, which oh, yeah. all three of us um, took part in on Sunday, which is where Richard Lindsay, the Sydney-based um, Kiwi comic, um, talked to us about how we can use the language that we use about comedy to influence the way we are, we kind of think about comedy. I think it's fair to say, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah. Kind of like that's but that was my take home from that. And how did people find that? So good. What a smart man. He he was um I mean not that men, you know, men can be smart, but he, he was Patient. a very smart man. Yeah. Um <laughs> he was great. Um I really enjoyed the part about how he was saying that um lots of the metaphors we use for describing comedy are warlike or involve violence, like killing it, smashing it, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And what, what would it be like if we use different metaphors um, to, to put our minds in a different, you know, state of mind before doing comedy? Um, so I found that really useful. And then along that same line, he got us to um, imagine the most comfortable situations we are, that, that, sorry, imagine communicating in the most comfortable situations that we're familiar with and then kind of... Um, Put layer that onto the comedy that you're doing. I'm not describing it well. No, I don't that's want to good. give away the whole course either. That's good. I might take some bits out there just to 
<laughs> so he's got yeah. something left. I mean, I would I would strongly recommend it to any of our listeners if they get the chance to do it, whether it's over Zoom or in person. To yeah, true. Yeah, I don't want to give away secrets. Give it a go. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, that's fine. I think that was like review level content there, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, Darren, did you find it useful? Yeah, totally. I mean, obviously, I wrote a little bit of material out of it and uh, gave me a different way of thinking. And then obviously one of the challenges of the course was to write a minute of comedy and do it that night so you know brand new piece of comedy with you know not enough time to think about it but enough time to pull it together so that part was uh, pretty good because that's a real challenge actually because if you're not in a creative space at that moment it's you know it's a real challenge to yourself to do that um so yeah i found it really good and just that whole you know the way of thinking about things as well i, I found it useful totally mm. Yeah, Good. I was so pleased to see you there, Darren, writing and doing some stuff because I haven't seen you around for a little while. So that was cool. No, thank you. I kind of, yeah, I think Sunday night was the first gig I'd done for 31 weeks or something like that. So, what, what were you up to? 200 and something days or whatever? Yeah, 216, I think. Wow. 216. So it was interesting. I was talking to... Liam Lonergan, me and you, Matt, were going to do a podcast in the Ding Dong Lounge just before Christmas, and I spoke to Liam, and he said if he ever took that amount of time off comedy, he would never, ever go back. Wow. And I was like, you know, like smokers who go, I could give up whenever I want. Mm. Um, I was kind of that guy. I was like, I'll just walk back on stage whenever I want if I want to do it. But actually, as the day started racking up, and then I was meant to do on day 199, I was meant to do a gig at Huapai for Scott Bennett. And of course it got COVID. I got I got caught up in the botany COVID thing. You so I got put it, it you mean? I did, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I always seem to do that. And um actually when I when I pulled out of that, I went, yeah, thank God. I didn't really want to do it anyway. And um <laughs> that, that's not fair. I was, I was I was all prepared for it, but like the relief of not doing it going, oh well, maybe it's just not meant to be. And then the week after, I was meant to be a corner store. And then we all went into level three lockdown. And I was like, this ain't meant to be. I'm not doing it again. I'll do that metaphor, a comedy thing, and that's it. And then there you go. I, I went back and did it again. And then doing it again. Back. I knew. Do you, can I ask you something? You see something really interesting back there that is something that I go through too, and I wonder if other people do. Um Yes, I love doing stand-up comedy. Yes, I'm excited by the gigs. But sometimes if they are cancelled, I do feel relieved. Do you get that? It's yes. so weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you know. Because oh. I've got a goal of doing 100 live performances this year. That's my one of my goals. Wow. So wow. I'm saying. Three days. Sorry, what was that? One every three days. Yeah, I'm up to 32, I think. So it's improv and stand-up combined. Yeah. But it, like I have to sometimes push myself to you know to to line up gigs and stuff because like I say you were saying you've had a break if I have a break of more than a week I find it really hard to keep going um so that that goal of 100 has been dragging me through those little periods yeah that's a good idea setting your goal actually and it's especially with stand-up you're doing when you're doing the same material every time and then you've got a small audience and you're relying on your fellow comics to provide some of the laughs mm. in your audience and actually they've seen you 10 times and they actually although people will try and be polite it's like the more we see each other 
the kind of more you're like the harder it gets to laugh at those even the good it's jokes. a different kind of laughing eh like you yeah. can tell like yeah. <laughs> it's like a supportive like yeah. chuckle <laughs> yeah exactly um and it gets hard it just gets harder and harder getting up on those stages when it's a small audience especially yeah but uh yeah pu- having a target and pushing yourself through that that sounds like a sensible approach actually yeah it's quite cool I don't do it every time but after after one of the you know the gigs I, I, I'll write some notes about something that I learned or felt good about or what I could improve next time and it's been quite good just having like a little diary Mm, that's a good idea yeah, well. yeah. I, uh, you can't keep it up but you know just a little bit no I'm terrible for that I, I never I always forget to record myself and mm. I always um and I I struggle to find time to rehearse as well to be honest so I'm probably an, an, an what they'd call a naughty comic <laughs> there's a lot of them around yes <laughs> Do you know what? I've got a recording of every gig I've done and I've never watched one of them. No, you save them up for your funeral. I was talking about this with Renee Church the other day. <laughs> she, oh, yeah, we're, in the gre- we're in the green room and she's like, yeah, I'm just going to play them all at my funeral. All linked together. We like the same <laughs> material. It's like for hours and just over and over. <laughs> getting better and better. Yeah. And everyone's trying not to laugh because they're crying. And, oh, it was so funny. Do you want to tell us a little bit, tell the listeners a little bit about rehab? Yeah. <laughs> rehab the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I yeah, love Sorry, not your months in rehab. <laughs> I, part of the delight of being in that show was like um, people would ask me, oh, hey, do you want to come to this thing on Saturday? I'm like, oh, sorry, I can't. I've got rehab. And I got to say it so often. It was really funny. Um, so Rehab was an improvised show that a friend of mine, Elizabeth Crowcroft, came up with. Um, and it was a special project for her because um, she is in recovery herself. And she had been um, in, in rehab many years ago. Um, and while she was there, she observed all these wonderful characters with rich lives and stories to tell and all the little weird interactions of being in in a pretty much like a school camp, but with adults that have got issues, you know? So she said it was a really strange environment and um, she's a fantastic improviser and just combined her her past knowledge of that stuff with making a show. Um, So everything we did on stage was unscripted. However, we had these devised characters. So each of us were given a short brief um, and we had some freedom to, to make up the characters how we wanted to make them up and they were I think we I think it was a cast of nine or ten and we all had quite wildly different different characters so each of us were uh, recovering from different substances um, had different backstories and we actually had a lot of recovering um, alcoholics and addicts come and speak to us um, about what it's actually like to be going through that what it's like to come out the other side what it was like at rehab um, and it was a, it, the process took months and months um, of, of research for that. Um, and it was the, just a really fantastic experience for me. Um, I've got a lot of family members that are um, addicted to drugs. So I, I was quite passionate about, about the project. Um, I mean, I've always been empathetic and sympathetic to the issues, but it was almost like and I'm not going to say experiencing it because there's no way I could have experienced it, but it was 
a small window into some of the, the struggles that people do go through. Um, and it was an emotional ride for a lot of us. Like there were tears on stage. There was one night that my character, um, someone was nice to her and she she broke down. And when I know it sounds like I'm talking to the third person, but when you are your character, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's not you. Um, it was just really profound and we got really great feedback for it. Um, it was a dark comedy. There was lots and lots of laughs, but there was a lot of serious talk and exploration of very, very hard um, topics. And the main goal of the show was to bring um, the issue of, of addiction into the mainstream and say, this affects everybody. It, it can look different. You know, it could be someone that is living on the street. It could be an executive at a company. It could be anything like that. And it was about stripping people back to the, their, the essence of themselves and, and the problems that they had. And yeah, it was just a wonderful thing. We've got another season coming up. Uh, we sold out all six nights, which was really fantastic. Um, it was such a great feeling as well, just to be doing something so um, good for the community and having that much interest and, you know, seeing people crying in the audience and like laughing. It was just so amazing. So the next season is, um, it's in May. No, it's not. It's in July. It's in July. Yeah. I think it's the 9th and 10th of July. Uh, The first, second, 9th and 10th of July. It's okay. We've had Matt Coombe on here trying to remember jokes, uh, dates, and he's terrible. <laughs> so we'll put the we'll find the correct dates and we'll just put them in the show notes. Cool. Um, yeah, I've I've got a feeling that um, a friend did try and get me to go along to a see rehab, and I was like, nah, I don't want people to see me crying in the audience. Oh, uh, <laughs> I kind of predicted it's... that would be what it'd be like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was no one you know, that went away thinking, oh my God, that was totally too dark or anything. Cause there were yeah, yeah. some wonderful, beautiful, hilarious light moments. But yeah, I, just, I think we, I think we got it right. And I feel really proud of the work we did on that. Awesome. Awesome. Keeping it on a, on a serious subject in the last kind of few minutes <laughs> we've got, but I don't yeah. want to rush it. No either. worries. Yeah. My question would be, obviously you've been performing for a number of years. Um, have you seen a change for women in performance and comedy in New mm-hmm. Zealand, Auckland, both in stand-up and in improv? I'm going to talk about improv quickly first, and then I'll talk about stand-up. So in improv, you tend to see, in New Zealand anyway, it's a basically a 50-50 split. Um, so I was talking before about it being quite community-based. Um, I think it's more attractive for people of different genders to come along to improv. Um, In stand-up comedy, it's definitely a male-dominated industry. And personally, I'm quite used to being in male-dominated industries because I work for the police and I work in fraud and there there aren't that many women doing these jobs. So I'm familiar with some of the the negative things about being in a male-dominated industry. So, yeah, I think... Has it changed? So I've only been doing stand-up comedy for a year, but I think what I've noticed, you're probably both aware of the big piece of work that was done about a year ago. Um, So there was a working group established to address very bad behaviour in our community. Um, 
and there's you know you can you there's a Alison Mao wrote uh, an article about it on stuff which I can provide the reference for but yeah, essentially I'll post the link yeah definitely. yeah so this was absolutely heartbreaking so what happens is I think as a person or as a woman especially things happen to you and you might think you are the only one bad things happen and you think you know it's just me when we got together in a room I think there were about 20 of us but in total I think 40 or 50 women had been uh, surveyed there was some very bad shit that has been going on for years and years in the comedy industry a range of things from um, general misogyny and sexism you know for example you know women aren't funny you're only getting gigs because you're a woman right up to the other end of the scale the sexual assault and rape mm. so it was uh, I don't know if that's too heavy for your podcast but that's the facts no. those are the facts it was gut-wrenching to hear testimony from many women experiencing the same thing I think it's good that people got together and spoke about it. And I think that the work that has been done so far is amazing. But I do think that maybe there needs to be more talk of this out in the open, not not, mm. not suggesting naming names or anything like that. Um, but just, I think in my time, I've seen a, a new cycle of, of women identifying comedians that have come in and they've got no idea about that piece of work that happened. And I'm sad to say it, but in the last three months I've seen some threat about three moderately like terrible um, incidents happen that I've been told about and people didn't necessarily know who to go to or what they should do in that situation um, so I think that there needs to be more kind of discussion regular discussion about this kind of thing is this something where the guild should potentially put something together where they invite female comedians along or people from parts of the community that would feel that they could be, you know, vulnerable to this sort of stuff? Yeah, talk? yeah. So I think that was the first step. Um, and I think I think there should be like a regular, maybe quarterly or maybe twice a year. I don't know what the frequency would be, but like another, just an open forum where people feel safe to to put forward any um, incidents that have happened because I think speaking in a group, you feel more comfortable to, to talk, but also when you're speaking in a group, you start to identify patterns. So yeah. if, you, if you think something's happened to you and you haven't told anyone and you might have, say, three good friends, you tell them and they're like, oh, that's happened to me as well, you still only might think it might be three people, but once you sit in a room with 40 people, and they go, oh, that happened to me too. Oh, that happened to me too. And you start to identify patterns. I think that's where um, it would be very useful to have something regular. And they may have something in the pipeline. I I'm not sure, but I just feel like it would be good, especially there's a lot of new women identifying comedy comedians at the moment that haven't had exposure to any of that information. Mm, one one th small thing that occurs to me that might just help would be even just each of the Facebook groups um, having a link to the, you know, there's the there's the document that's been written, um, having it as a like sticky post at the top. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. It's just so it's front of mind because um, mm. I think in general, 
there are more barriers for people from, you know, different different groups in society to doing comedy. And the wonderful thing about comedy is that anyone can do it if they feel safe to do it, and it gives anyone a voice who feels safe. But in terms of barriers in the way, like for example, um, barriers for me myself, who I am, walking around late at night get to get mm -hmm. to and from gigs don't feel safe so sometimes I don't I don't want to do that obviously there's uber and all of that but sometimes people may not be able to afford that or you know what for whatever reason then they can't use it and I know that there's a service that can get female uh women identifying comedians home if they need need to which I can find the link for you guys um but it's also when you think about it you're there for six minutes right to do your set and the polite thing to do is to stick around for, for the whole the whole time if you can. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on. So a lot of jokes are misogynistic, racist, homophobic, um, ableist, all of that kind of stuff. And yes, people can joke about anything they want, but when it's hours and hours of that stuff and it's late mm -hmm. at night and you're in a dodgy bar and you've got to walk back to your car and you might, you know, someone might yell something out at you or these punters coming up to you and saying, oh, you, you mentioned that you like sex. Oh, how's about it? Or, oh, you like this or that? Or you said this in your set. And people don't know the difference between a, a joke and exaggeration or whatever. And they come up to you and they ask you about it. It, it does not feel safe. And at a, baseline of simplicity women are smaller than men women can be intimidated physically by a man you know all of these things and it just puts a big barrier in the way of not feeling safe one group of people that could do quite a lot to kind of improve the situation are men um, by changing our behavior right Fucking um, men. No, just kidding. <laughs> a lot of it, a lot, well, I mean, men are the problem, right? Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say not all men either. I'm yeah. Not, I'm going to not acknowledge that. Um, yeah. Little hashtag. Um, what in your view, and you might not have a view on this, but what in your view is a single one thing that male comedians, because we do have a lot of listeners that are male comedians, can do to make the spaces feel a bit safer this might sound harsh but it just came into my mind just <laughs> shut the fuck up honestly like so oh so is me in this body me and this who I am we get a lot of um unsolicited feedback about our jokes we get a lot of people saying oh you should do this or you should do that oh you know um I've had comments where people have said to me, oh, that was really good. You, you did really well there. You looked so feminine. And it's like, were you listening to my, did you hear what I said? Or are you just looking at me physically? Or, oh, that was really cool. Do you have a fake tan on? Wow. You know, so they're, they're not actually listening or were like, oh, you, you, def nah, you definitely shouldn't, you should not talk about sex because people are going to think you want it. So it's like, just don't say stuff like that. Yeah. What's the number one thing every new comic should be told is don't give unsolicited feedback. Full stop. Mm. The other thing that I'm going to say it's male, it's male comedians do a lot um, in my personal experience is after a lineup, they will come up 
and they will say, Amy, who do you think was worst? No women comedians have ever asked me that question, ever, not once. But that question comes out a lot. So I, I feel like that's, that's a nod to them thinking that the space is very competitive. Mm. When in actual fact, the only person you should be competing against is yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack there in what you've said, but it does all boil down to, doesn't it? Like mm. if, if in doubt, shut, shut up. up. <laughs> Actually, yeah, if no, in doubt, I agree. Don't turn up. I've actually never said that before, but just when, you know, you asked me just yeah, on yeah. the spot there and that was the first thing that came to my mind. Just, just, just shut up. Yeah, no, that's fine. And if I you agree. can't, totally. and if you can't right. shut up, don't turn up. Yeah. If that's the best you can offer. Mm. It's almost like by asking someone who's worst almost tries to be themselves validating that they were Yeah, not. yeah. It, it's, I, could, yeah. I can't even count the number of times that question has been asked of me. And I never, I always say the same thing. I say, why are you asking me that question? Does improv feel a safer place to perform? Yes. Yeah. Is it anything to do with the fact that the venues might be better, better located, and just set up for performance rather than a pub that's just been thrown together, pretending mm. to be a comedy lounge? So not probably in the best of locations, probably not set up for performance, more for drinking and partying. And I don't think so because I've performed improv at a number of bars as well and felt fine. It's just a more happy community mm -hmm. feel. Now, this is interesting because in improv, there's more physicality, right? So on stage, there's more of a risk that you'll be touched or... A, a someone's playing a character and they can be like, oh, I'm a pervert or whatever and come after you, which in my experience has happened a couple of times. But because all eyes in the community are working together as one, if that happens, there's more people that will call that out. Whereas in stand-up, I feel like because it's more an individual sport and it's just a, a number of individuals, I don't think there's that that level of care there. Not care, but... I mean, the thing is, when you're doing improv, you're together doing a performance for six minutes or however long it is, and there's a collective of you. And at yes. worst, there's probably two of you. When you're doing stand-up, all eyes are on you for six minutes, right? Yeah. And almost too long for people to think about shit. <laughs> you know they're, they're they're focused just on one person and you, you, mm. your point earlier of like are you even listening or are you just watching whereas improv is more like you have to watch you have to you know because otherwise you, there is nothing there but when there's only an individual person to focus on mm. for six minutes yeah it's it's weird um why people are behaving, they're behaving, especially since it's been brought to the fore so much more. And it, and it probably distresses me that you're hearing that even in the last three months, this is still going on probably to the extent it was going on a year ago. And people are just kind of thinking it's still okay. It's, it's kind of really concerning because it's not like yeah. it hasn't been made a public thing across all comedy message boards. Yeah, I'm going to say as well, the incidents that I've heard about, um, 
it's it's involving newer people to the to the scene both the the, the women who have been annoyed or you know had had something happen yeah and then the the guys as well so I don't know I feel like if there was like a buddy system or something or you know the more yeah, experienced yeah. comics were kind of looking out for this behavior which they do do like there's some amazing people you can go to like Donna Brooke Banks and Amanda Kennedy and Tim Batch and like Stephen Lyons you know people like that if they saw anything they they would call it out and they would know what to do Tony Lyle as well you know people like that um but I think when you're a raw comic you don't necessarily have all the links to the people above you or um the links to the guild or the you know you don't know how to to get into that so yeah it's interesting a, a lot of yeah I don't know a lot of people feel comfortable talking to me about stuff which is great and I always um get in touch with whoever I know that can help um but yeah I think new people maybe just need a bit more of an induction about you know this kind of stuff Tomorrow, if I, even if I knew nothing that I've known, learned in the last year, I could go onto a Facebook page, I can put my name down for a gig, completely untested, completely unknown, and can just turn up at that gig. Yeah. With no preparation, with no expectation. I know Ian Ireland, to be fair to him, when he posts a, um, a list of who's on, he always says, here's the link to the... Um, document of how you should behave and conduct yourself in the community. So That's he's so good. Just do yeah. that. Yeah, he's really good with stuff like that. Um, some of the yeah, some uh, producers and MCs are very good at knowing that the right things to do. But I do think there's a small gap um, with MCs sometimes not handling situations as as well as they could when things do happen um because they've not had the training right yeah and i mean none of us have right anyone can can be a mc and producer and do a very good job except when something happens yeah there's a whole set of issues that could occur at any time and none of us have been trained in how to deal with that well most of us haven't so yeah maybe maybe the guild could put together a um a session for producers and MZs, get them all in the same room and hash out some scenarios and risk scenarios. Mm. Um, like, if this happened, what would you do? If this happened, what would you do? And they could hash it out. It almost feels, you know, because everybody thinks they're funny, right? That's why everybody starts comedy. And you always get these people go, oh, you know, I did comedy because my friends told me I was funny once when I was drunk. And stuff yeah, like yeah. That. But I almost feel as well, People in comedy audience, it's kind of if you heckle someone, it's one on one, right? You wouldn't heckle ten improv performers. Oh hell no! Oh, it does happen, yeah. but yeah, yeah. But you know <laughs> what I mean? It's kind of like, oh yeah, I can heckle you. Um, you're up there on your own. You look new. I've been told you're raw, so you probably can't handle it. Whereas when you've got seven or eight improv before, it's it's the whole like the school bully type thing, right? Isn't it? You know, I go and yeah. pick on that person over there. I certainly won't pick on them, that person with all their friends. You know, it's almost like people are opportunistic about the way they go about it. And that's what, um, unfortunately, they're, I don't like the word abuser, but like, because it sounds very harsh, but that's what people are, you know. Um, yes. People, yep. people often will pick people that they know won't be able to fight back. 
God help anyone who picks on me because I will kick off. Like I, <laughs> I don't tolerate anything like that at all. But, um, you know, someone who's like very new or shy or going through something may not be able to, you know, and that's why I think a really good idea for all comics, regardless of gender, is get your crew, you know, like get five five or so mates that you trust and you do see like little clicks, you know, going around yeah. and stuff. And that's such a good thing. Like those are the people you should be getting feedback from. Those are the people that should be watching out to see if anything happens. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I hate to do it when we're talking about this subject, but I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Otherwise I'm going to get told off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Amy Bird. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts and um, experiences and um, some of your creative ideas. And we definitely will, I'll definitely be following up with you about the storytelling stuff. <laughs> Amazing. Um, thanks very much for having me. Um, and yeah, I apologies if it got a little serious there. Um, no, we wanted it to. That was good. Yeah. That's right. I must call this out for what it is. Yep, yeah, absolutely. We want to try um, yeah happy to talk about it any other time and i know a bunch of women comedians that also would as well so yeah awesome well definitely encourage them to come on and talk about it great thank cool you. okay thank you very much cool i'll see you around yeah see you soon <laughs> <laughs>